0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Nice it's nice weather here in Susanna, Ohio. It's going really like spring for a change right in the summer. A little humidity here and there, but all in all I can't really complain. Hope you're all staying safe out there during this pandemic. But anyway, this year host is the most scott. This is the uh, the clown hour podcast and which is a podcast component of my sports ball called The Clown Time. That's called K by way able find me on the web at www. That and you can find me on Facebook, whether you're on your smartphone, laptop, desktop, wherever you're doing. Just type in the search window. The Clown Times again, the Clowns Forever K you may be able to find us there. We've got four NBA this 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 week, uh, I should say tonight. Uh, because basically uh, we're this is concluding NBA playoff week. And I say that because, you know, this is the month. Of course, May is supposed to be the NBA playoffs, but Thanks to that damn thing called the coronavirus pandemic, we have no live sports, and no live sports means no NBA playoffs. So we've been uh, touching on all time NBA great, all time great NBA player performances through various stars. Uh, we hit Tim Duncan, uh, Tracy McGrady, Scottie Pippen, and not necessarily in the order. And now we're going to hit Magic Johnson's performance. And a game six of the 980 NBA Finals. While wow. this was the introduction of Showtime, <clears throat> you know, they basically were still on tape delay and everything else, so we'll get to that momentarily. As well as we'll discuss a little bit about the NBA's comeback plan. Let's talk about either getting to the playoffs with 16 teams and just doing a centralized location in Disney World Resort. And last but not least, with the whole – uh, um, the Last Dance uh, going, like like the mini series, the docuseries, if you will, concluding last weekend, we're going to debate once and for all, in our opinion, who is the true NBA GOAT, greatest of all time. So I'm going to discuss that with my guys, um, like you guys know them from the Weekend Adjustment Sports Talk Show. On oh, WMOH fourteen fifty, the ticket in Hamilton, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cincinnati, I sometimes um, guest host of those guys um, uh, periodically, and um, their names are Kevin McCune and Jared Singleton. Uh, Jared be running a little bit late, so I'm gonna get Kevin all to myself right now. So, Kevin, what's going on, pal? How you doing?
2: I'm uh, doing good, man. Uh, happy to be back for uh, another week of doing this. It's been a, it's been a fun uh, three weeks. Looking forward to to this fourth and final one
1: been a freaking blast. I mean, I, I love rapping with you guys anyway, all things NBA, but the thing, but coming on the heels of, you know, no NBA playoffs, and it just, it, and, and then the combination of that and the last dance, which we were so aching for any type of sports, you know, uh, live or recorded, you know, it was just, it was just great to discuss. It was great for the sports media and, and sports fans everywhere you know, to discuss it, but it's, it's 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 been great, man. I, I you know, and and again, as always, I enjoy rapping with you about it. So it's good. And uh, as soon as Kevin joins, I mean Kevin, as soon as Jared joins us a little bit on, uh, we're really kicking the high gear. So thank you, thank you, thank you again. So um, let's get to it. Like, um, let me touch a little bit on like the uh, NBA's comeback plan because they talked about it like the last couple of days. So I want to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on it. Um, basically, you know. Like we, like, like I remember, I asked y'all this question like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, uh-huh. and we were all so like we wanted to happen, but we don't think it's going to happen for logistic reasons, right? So, uh-huh. like into like like a like Adam Silver saying that we that but that that the league is going to have like a condensed NBA playoff season at a centralized location, I think in Disney uh, Resort. Uh, in, in Orlando And you know basically there will be no fans Maybe some select uh, Family members But uh, It's been picking up steam And so what seemed to be impossible Looks damn near possible at this point So let me get your thoughts on how Is this a good idea for the NBA And how likely is it that they That we will see A finish to The, 20, the, the 2019 2020 NBA season
2: yeah um i think it's it's become more and more likely i think a few weeks ago maybe it was a hope and a prayer um just yeah. trying, as they try to figure Real. things out um and as more things have opened up and other leagues have set you know um parameters for getting back to play i think it's um become more realistic and then uh if you're on twitter at all if you are uh following anything on nba on twitter a couple of the, the biggest uh uh, names out there on Twitter the last few days have have been saying this is gonna. It's looking more and more like a possibility that the plan is that it'll be in Disney uh, world and uh, they'll resume the season. Uh, plan is that they can hopefully, if they get everything agreed to, hopefully have like a a mini training camp, which is kind of weird uh, because it's you know we're finishing Not the end of a season, so they'll have like a mini training camp in July and then start up the season again in late July or early August. Um, so it's just funny. It's it's almost it's almost like a, with no fans, and it being in the Disney World, you know, or sports facility um, in Orlando. I I think it'll look a lot like summer league ball, with uh, yeah. I'm assuming they'll wear their their real uniforms, but uh, uh, so it'll have that appearance. But I think one benefit this might have for the NBA is I know there's been talk the last few years about trying to push the start of the NBA season back farther um, because uh, of coinciding with right being right there and smack dab in the middle of football season when the NBA gets started. Uh, there's not a lot of buzz and interest usually the first couple months of, of the year. Um, and I know they've talked before about starting the season um, Christmas day, having like being the big opening day or even starting the season back at, at that far. Um, I'm not sure. Um, if this will now play into that, where they will be like, now we'll just start next season even later uh, because this season's going to end, you know, if you figure if they finish out the regular season, uh, if if there are any plans to do that, have the playoffs. um, I mean, maybe October, September, October. I don't think they can get it all done by September. uh, If they, if they really are wanting to get uh, all the games in that they typically would. And so then you figure there's going to have to be some kind of off season and, um, cycle back to the very next year, you know, so looking at the start of not the, not the 2020, 21 season, but the 21, 22 season. Now they can right. start the, the league year later as um, has been, has been rumored here for the last few years. Or so. You know what I always said
1: that the NBA talking about the late start of the season, I always say they should start around Christmas because Christmas time is when the NBA, to my in my view, officially makes its mark. What I mean by that is, you know, they got the double with well, a double or triple. I think it's a triple header, or a triple mm-hmm. header um, on on like with ESPN and ABC, Net, mm-hmm. a family of networks all day. That's the NBA's day, right? And so. I mean, a like, lot because like the season is pretty long anyway, but right. people don't into the NBA late October and November. They really start to take notice on Christmas, after Christmas Day on Christmas Day mm-hmm. because they have big games, juicy matchups typically. Right, so I figure, why the hell not start on Christmas? half like so so have that big quadruple header with juicy matchups. To get our appetites going, so for me, it makes too much sense for them not to start on Christmas Day.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with that, and, um, and like I said, this, maybe this whole fallout with with COVID and the shutdown and everything, maybe that's what will finally push the yeah. league to to push that start date back.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, you mentioned, you touched on this earlier, but, you know, you know this is one of the few times that peer pressure can be used for good, right? Because we've seen NASCAR start back, albeit with no fans. We've seen, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you are a night owl, uh, an extreme night owl, you would see they have, ESPN has been broadcasting the Korean Fall League uh, at <laughs> like 3 in the morning. Um, but they have no fans. I think they were the first majors professional sports, them them in uh, the soccer leagues around the world, in Europe, to start back. They were one of the first ones to start back up. Uh, Because I know Bundesliga, the the German league, has started back up um, Mm -hmm. on FS1, to say the very least, but without any fans still, right? And so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, I think the NBA took a look at that, and notice how big of a number golf got, like uh, that 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 the exhibition that the with Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, and with uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, how it's how big those number the ratings were on that. So they may like say, hey, we could really do the no fans thing for a little while <laughs> in effort just to get the season back. Because I mean, truth be told, man, this has been the regular season was awesome. I mean, you had, like, out mm-hmm. of L.A., you had Houston being like a – acting like they were going to be a true dog horse. And then in the east, you have Milwaukee, but you have a resurgent – you know, they're the defending world champs – a resurgent Toronto Raptors team that has the second-best mm-hmm. in the east, and then was just getting their act, their act together. And, of course, Miami was, has been, have been playing well. So, to me, it was so wide open. The NBA was so wide open. I mean, you have favorites, but it's not like you could pencil in who's going to be a finalist like we have in years past with the Warriors. So I just thought that it was it was criminal that we wouldn't be able to see a, a fitting end to the season. But it looks like it's going to end that way, and I'm excited about it. I'm very excited about it.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely – I'm pumped too. And uh, one other thing that could work in the NBA's favor if uh, they go forward with this plan – uh, God forbid it happens for uh, for Jared's sake, and I mean I'm a big baseball fan too. But if, if the um, if MLB, sure. Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association uh, can't get on the same page as far as money, and uh, they drag out to p- perhaps not even having a season this year, um, there's going to be a lot of available TV time for uh, for the NBA uh, to fill uh, in, in the month of August. So.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on it. And I think, personally, Adam Silver is somewhere in private I'm pulling for that. <laughs> I really think he is. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, because if they just for the sake of argument, I let's say the Major League Baseball comes back, right? I don't think it will. From where they're standing right now, I don't think they're going to come back at all because they're so, both sides of players and the owners are so far apart in terms mm-hmm. of compensation. They can precautionary measures to be taken. Some players don't even want to even, even want to even suit up this season. You know you've seen uh um, uh, um uh, damn what's his name Bryce Harper's comments as well as some other uh players. some other star player I forget his name but they both were like uh, hell no <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> until we get mm-hmm. all our uh, fully guarantees, that that three year, years contract year salary rather fully guaranteed. It's, it's it's not going to happen. So let's just say if it did happen, people would tune in for baseball, right? More fervently mm-hmm. than they have in the past, because most people don't give a damn about regular season. It's basically baseball is right. Regular season, right? Most people don't. Right. And so now, in this scenario, more people would with the appetite was for some live games would be so high, so high right now. People will flop back to MLB like it was nobody's business
2: as if it was going oh, on yeah, but, Exactly. I was yeah. going to say, especially with a, a shortened season where if their realignment plan comes into play where there's no AL, there's no NL, you have, like, right. I don't know what it, what it would be, like 12 teams per division and everybody gets a DH. It's almost like the whole season is a playoff format, um, which would right. make it more exciting and more enticing for more than the average fan probably to tune in on top of not having sports for going on four months.
1: Right. And because you imagine, to your point, the excitement. I mean, you imagine having the 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 Cleveland Indians, the Reds, Pirates, Mm -hmm. and you're all in the same division. So Mm -hmm. that proximity, playing and they play have to play each other several times during that season. So that would be hella exciting. And you know, when an argument can be made, this is for another podcast for another time about how that realignment will make so much sense. Aside from the traditional AL NL stuff, but anyway, that's again nice. that's another podcast, another time. Um, but I, I think that <laughs> with the, if, if, if everything falls into place for Adam Silver and the league, then you know they'll get the whole month of of of, of August because I think they're talking about doing it in August, right? So the whole month of yes. August to themselves, and that'll be huge.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think the earliest the season would start, as what I read, was late July. So, yeah, it would primarily be the month of August. Uh,
1: right, 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 right. And I think the – I like – because I think there will be, like, maybe to get the teams, quote, unquote, warmed up, uh, because it's been those, like a two-month layoff, um, mm-hmm. to, like, to a mini training camp, maybe have, like, a – I've read, I've heard somewhere that maybe like a few games, or maybe four or five games, to, to, like as a tune-up like, for the like 16 teams that will be chosen, Okay. right? Would be mm-hmm. chosen for like, like for the play. but um, which is a great idea anyway. And for another another thing, what I heard was they were going to have like maybe like the first round be like a one game off, like mm. kind of like 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 the major league baseball does does the wild card. Round
0: mm-hmm. just
1: one. Mm-hmm. and then the subsequent rounds, like the next, the, the next, two, like the conference semis and the conference finals, be like five best of five, and with the finals being a best of seven. So, okay. do you like that idea? Would you would you like it to be more seven game series?
2: How how do you think that would work
1: under those scheduled um, rounds we discussed earlier?
2: I think the basketball traditionalist in me um doesn't initially like the idea of like one game series for the first round. Um, but then there's sure. a part of me that's like that would be super exciting. That one game would be really
0: exciting. Right. Uh
2: because it would mean so much. Well, I well, mean yeah. you're essentially in game seven, right? Every series is a an elimination game. Um I I don't know where I really sit on that. I think I think I would prefer if they're gonna do anything, just to have like at least a three game series. I just think about all the great um great champions of the past that have lost their their first game in the playoffs like i i know a couple of those bulls teams went down 0-1 in the first round before they win the series 4 games to 1 yeah so um so that there's some hesitation there uh for the sake of getting it done quickly i understand it uh i i think i'm fine with 5 games for um you know the semifinals and and the conference finals uh, just because you can typically tell who the better team is in five games. Um, right. It is unfortunate, you know, it, it is unfortunate when you think about the Warriors did come back a few years ago against the Thunder um, down three games to one. And then in, in the championship, the Cavs came back down three games to one. So we've seen it happen uh, where all seven are required to to crown a champion. But I think that's, those are more of the exception. Um, so I think, I think I would be. I think we would be able to tell who who is the better team and if win a series at least three games to two, and um, and then uh, I think seven games for the final. I think you have to have seven games for the final for it to uh, feel legitimate. I know Shaquille O'Neal said he wants he thinks there should be an asterisk next to whoever the champion is this year. I'm like, come on, man, global pandemic, you know, whatever. Right. And as you said, it's more wide open this year because it is the league of duos this year. There's not that any team that you think has like three superstars that we've seen the last few years, um, whether it was the Warriors uh, with Durant and Curry and, and Thompson. And uh, I mean, you can throw green in there too. And, or the Cavs with LeBron and love and Kyrie um, or last year in Toronto with Kawhi Leonard and Siakam and um, to a lesser extent Lowry. Um, But uh, yeah, so it's it's mostly two headed monsters uh, that carry their team. So it is wide open. Um, so I, I think any champion that, that comes out of this, I think I would consider a legitimate champion just given the unique circumstances. Um, but I do understand, I do understand having to shorten some series, I think, for the sake of getting it done sooner. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, my thing is, is that if they really wanted to take it old school, um, I would like have the first round be a best of three. Because when because when, when I was much younger, like they had a, the first round was best of three, um, mm-hmm. and okay. like I guess eighty seasons. They, they and then the, the, the second round was best of five, and then the conference the conference finals was best of seven. So basically, you had okay. best of three, five, followed by two best of seven. And um, always always loved the best of fives, particularly in the first round. Um, a lot because it's more exciting and especially if the other dog go back home court in the first two games, it'll be mm-hmm. make, make it really exciting, but it, I would, I mean, to your point the a a, a, um, a single elimination game for the first round, while possibly not being so fair to the better team it would make it very exciting, it's almost like a March Madness type vibe um, right. but I, I think that if they if they have the time, if, they, if, if the if time permits, if the the schedule if the schedule per, uh, parameters per, like permits, I would have, I would suggest having the best of three in the first round, mm-hmm. followed by maybe two best of fives and the best of seven
2: finals. Would
0: yeah, that no, too I, crazy I, I, or...
2: I think I think I would prefer best of three for the first round, just for for the sake of um for being to add a little bit of traditional element to it and. And just so that – you, I think you ensure – you you more ensure that the better team will move on. Um, however, right. if it is a single el- elimination game, it would be the first must-watch first round in NBA playoff history other than four or five matches. So.
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I
2: agree with that.
0: Uh, um, let's just
1: see here. Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. So, to me – so, basically, I think we've gone from, like – we may not have an NBA the conclusion to the season to, like, not only possibly have in the playoffs, but maybe, like, have, like, a four- or five-game tune-up before the playoffs with 16 teams. So the thing is, like, I, there's one more thing about this, the combat, combat plan, if you will. Um, do you – you know, it makes better sense, like, since it would be one centralized location to really to do it 1 through 16. Because I, I was thinking more, I still got my conference cap on as far as schedule, as far as seating,
0: mm-hmm. you know, East
1: West conference, You know, like, you won't have to have to worry about the travel logistics because everybody would be right there. So
0: right. it'd be
1: great. So basically, I don't know if you had a chance, but I'm going to ESPN right now, and I'm going to just do it for last, go to the, to the NBA page, i at the standings, and just get an idea of, of how everybody would be uh, – um, yeah. So I pulled, I pulled up the um, – I'm on ESPN.com, pulled up the standings, league-wide standings, and looking at the top 16 teams, period. So that mm-hmm. would be Milwaukee would be the top seed, all by the Lakers, the Raptors, the Clippers, Celtics, Nuggets, uh, Jazz, Miami would be the eighth seed. The Thunder, um, that would be, be 10. The Pacers would be 11. The Sixers would be 12. The Mavericks would be 13. The Grizzlies would be 14. The Nets would be 15. And the Atlanta matchup would be 16. So, if we were to go by those top 16 teams alone, one mm-hmm. matchup that really sticks out, and we'll probably get a hell of ratings, would be the Lakers versus the Nets one reason, one reason only. LeBron versus Tyree. That is mm-hmm. Tyree is able to be him come back. So you have that. So that would be fun in the sense that you got two former teammates all being different conferences now but still going at it in the playoffs early on in the in the in the best of three. So and I also see like other juicy matches that's the Heat versus the Thunder, which would be great. That would be one competitive series. Right. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. you know, with the uh, uh Renaissance with surgeons with uh Jimmy Butler and company. And well as the Thunder playing very well. More better what people would would would, uh, would would have predicted. I mean and the funny thing is they're they're like they're like higher leadings were spot ahead of the Houston Rockets. So basically the Rockets trade away Chris Paul thinking it's gonna be a throwaway. And people are thinking that the thunder will rebuild, but they are right in the thick of things in the playoffs mm-hmm. pick, pick plus, uh go. but also one last thing, one last big matchup I would like I would like to see is see 16, 15, 14, I think would be Boston and the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers, true arch rivals, historic arch rivals. they still hate each other, going there in the first round the best of three. So, based upon that, if they were to do a one sixteen, I think, save for the Bucks versus the Magic, and that'll be the only doo doo series, if you will. But the rest of the series, <laughs> open round series will be juicy. I mean, I think we got the what the Pacers versus the Nuggets in the first round, Jazz versus Rockets. I mean, Clippers mm-hmm. versus the Mavericks. Are you serious? The Grizzlies, upstart young Grizzlies versus the defending world champ Raptors, great series. All about it. again, Bucks, Magic standard. So, what do you think about that? With that that to me would be great you get those teams and see those accordingly.
0: Yeah,
2: and if they do that, um, it could. We had talked about baseball coming back a second ago and using the DH league wide, and I know that baseball was wanting to try to introduce the DH to the national league here in the next few seasons. And
3: the right. pandemic
2: presents an opportunity for it to be a Petri dish of, of sorts and, and use it this year. And you could almost argue that for the NBA playoffs, if they were to seed them one through 16, regardless of conference, uh, because they are, are, excuse me, are all at a centralized location. Again, this could be another Petri dish opportunity. I know this is something the NBA has discussed in the past where, um, you know, doing away with the, the, uh, conference, uh, conferences in the playoffs and just doing best 16 teams. Uh, this would be an opportunity, uh, to try that out and, um, to, uh, to see how, see how it works. And it, it does, it presents some some interesting matchups because, uh, you, you get to see some Eastern conference teams play some Western conference teams, like, uh, you know, you yep. mentioned Toronto and Memphis, like that. Um, uh, that'd be a really cool series to see, um, where typically you wouldn't see these teams face each other in the playoffs in the past, uh, unless they both made it all the way to the summit and to the finals. And uh, so yeah, it, it would be cool. I think it'd be cool, like you said, the, the Heat and Thunder matchup could be fun. Um, it's just a lot of uh, a lot of interesting series that that you wouldn't get to see uh, if they didn't do it that way. So uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely for it uh, for at least this year. Um, like you said, it's they're centralized centrally located. Nobody's flying. Nobody's traveling. Uh, they're all walking back to their uh, Disney Resort hotels after the game, or taking a golf cart. Out of them. <laughs> um. So, right, so yeah, I I th- I think I'd be I'd be all for it this year.
1: Yeah. So I, I think it's a win-win, especially if NBA comes back, albeit with no fans or or whatever. I still think it would be the the, the, the appetite would be so so high really so insatiable for for for, for like for this for, for this tournament in any in any shape or form. In fact, especially with one through sixteen, it would be it would be great. So here's hoping that the NBA season comes back, playoffs, sellers say once for all. I still think the title is gonna come from one of the LA teams, but it would be exciting process to see get there. So speaking of which, one last thing like like, like, like with that. Do you still – I think you had the, the the champion coming out of L.A. anyway, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. But do you still hold fast to yes. that? Do you see any other teams although coming along the way to spoil that chance for either the Lakers and the, or in the
2: uh, Clippers? Yeah, I think at the start of the year when I came on your show, I'll, I'll ignore all the bad takes I had and just uh, ah. focus on the ones that can still happen. Um, I think that uh-huh. I had the Lakers and the – uh, I think I had the Lakers and the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, and I think I had, like, the Sixers and the Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals, so we'll ignore that. Um, uh, but, yeah, yeah, I can... Uh, I definitely still think... I would still pick the Lakers right now. Um, I think in light of the last dance, in light of constant comparisons, I think LeBron's going to come in focused in Hungary, and I don't think uh, there's a lot of other guys in the league that will match his, um, his level of experience and competitiveness um, in these situations. And now he's, he has Anthony Davis at his side. Uh, so assuming that those two stay healthy um, in a non-fan setting, um, they're, I, I think I, I'd go with them because you don't have the impact that crowds would typically have in the game. And I think they're arguably two of the top five players in the league and they're on the same team. Uh, so if I'm playing NBA Jam, that's the squad that I'm I'm going to go with. Um, <laughs> perfect. But, uh, yeah, I, one thing, I wish that the Clippers had somehow squeaked out a better record than the Raptors before all this went down, because then if they do do a one through 16, they could have, them and the Lakers could have been on opposing sides and we could have had an all LA final, uh, which would have been yeah. insane. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think for now, given the format, uh, I'm I'm gonna stick with the Lakers, uh, assuming everybody's healthy.
1: Cool, cool. That's not a bad pick. That's not a bad pick at all. Uh, we're gonna move on to. Um, speaking of the Lakers, this is the last installment. another last installment of our great NBA Playoff performance series. Like I said earlier, we touched. We we started out with. Um, Tim, like the great Tim Duncan, the greatest power forward of all time, in our opinion, Um, followed by Scottie Pippen. Then, no, I'm sorry, Chris McGrady, then Scottie Pippen. And then finally I'm going to wrap up with my guy, even though I hate the Lakers, Magic Johnson, (laughs) Uh, his game six performance of the 1980 NBA Finals. There's a, quick, there's a quick, background for those of us who are too young to remember that I was maybe six years old <laughs> when the finals was played. I don't remember watching any NBA games at that time. I was probably too busy playing with toys somewhere in the house. Who knows? <laughs> but you know, the Lakers won the series four games to two. They won in six. They they beat the like, They beat the Sixers rather one twenty three to one hundred seven in Philly at the old Spectrum. And for those of you, if you haven't had a chance to check that game out on YouTube and see the old form and all its glory, you might want to do that because that's, 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 that's old school basketball its best. Love seeing, I have affinity for old arenas anyway, uh, especially the old Mecca in Milwaukee with that crazy ass on the court. Uh, but nevertheless, um, Magic Johnson, who was a rookie, end up leading the team and scoring with forty two points, fifteen rebounds, and seven assists. And the thing is that he started in play, he jumped center in to Kareem Abdul Jabbar who was injured and was he stayed behind in, in Los Angeles. So you end up what ended up happening was that the Lakers ended up becoming really thin as far as depth wise because Magic Johnson played forty seven of 48 minutes, followed by Jim Jones, three minutes, Jamal Wilkes, that's a blast in the past, 42 minutes, and Norm Nixon with 40 minutes, and Michael Cooper, yes, that same Michael Cooper who would later get dunked on by one Dr. Julius, Dr. J. Julius Irvin two years later in the NBA Finals, uh, he played 39 minutes since he had a starting lineup. Uh, to pick up a magic moving the center, and so the top reserve was no was no more than uh, Mark Landsberger, <laughs> who scored five points and ten boards Who played 19 minutes, followed by Brad Holland and Marty Burns. Not the same Marty Burns from Ozark, for for those of <laughs> us who are into uh, Netflix, but it's a different Marty Burns. But anyway, they went only eight. Well, they really were if you think about the minutes, went just six deep. Because, again, the starters played heavy minutes, and to the mm-hmm. point where if the Lakers if the, didn't if pull it off, they would have been probably gassed for game seven. Um, but anyway, Jamal Wilkes was second in, in the scoring with 37 points with 10 rebounds, yeah. and uh, followed by Michael Cooper after that with 16 points and six assists. Um, meanwhile, the Sixers... They, had, they started with Julius Irving, Dr. J himself, Maurice Cheeks, Lionel Hollins, yes, the guy who would love to become coach uh, <laughs> at the Memphis uh, <laughs> Grizzlies, that Lionel Hollins, Caldwell Jones, and Daryl Dawkins, chocolate Thunder himself would smash rims before Shaquille O'Neal did it. Um, but one thing I did notice, dude, was amongst the bench players, the, the reserves have played good minutes was one Henry Bibby, the same Henry yeah. Bibby who, who, who was father of Mike Bibby. So, yeah. It's, you know what's funny, man, was watching Henry Bibby going up and down with that with that George Jefferson-like afro. <laughs> <laughs> the receding hairline, bro. <laughs> got a receding hairline. Uh, Sorry, I missed, I missed that, buddy. Anyway, uh, I guess it. Um, but I was saying that. Sorry, you know, I cut that out for a George minute. Jefferson, oh no, that's okay. I was going to say that George Jefferson, like balding, receding hairline, mm-hmm. Afro, <laughs> it was too man. So it was, and plus he had that porn that low, that big ass bushy porn stash,
3: that that <laughs> carried over
1: both sides of the house So I mean, if you, I mean, I'm getting, I tell you for you for the listeners out there. If you want to see some cool old school basketball or even cooler old school hairstyles, check out Game Six of the NBA Finals, 80 NBA Finals. You'll be glad you did. But uh, nevertheless, um, but Magic Johnson, to me, you know, he well, first of all, he's the first guy, the first rookie, who not only won the NBA championship as a focal point of the team, but was also the finals. MVP. He is the first and to this day the only rookie to have ever accomplished that. Well, I mean, NBA Finals champ. That's the focal point. And so, um, so yeah. So basically, it's it's this is to me one of the most awesome performances I've seen in the playoffs. And little did everyone know that it was as far as Magic Johnson's playoff rogues were concerned, it was the first of many to come. So let me get mm-hmm. your thoughts real quick on Magic Johnson's impact and the 1980 NBA Finals as a whole.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing, just one quick note um, for for listeners who, who don't know this, uh, that they, they reiterated throughout the game was in a three-year run, starting in high school Magic Johnson won a state championship as a senior in high school then won a national championship um at Michigan State and then won the NBA championship as a, a rookie with the Lakers so like what a what a three year you know yeah. um right just to just to, uh, to start with that but um yeah Magic was clearly the most dominant player on the floor um just watching the game um you they touched on it at the start of the broadcast and you saw it throughout the game his positional versatility uh I don't think he gets enough credit really for uh, he he played a lot of defense on daryl dawkins in the game and and Dawkins had a really bad game um for how good of a player he was at the time I think he only finished with nine points and uh let's see how many rebounds and four rebounds for the game and uh you know I think at one point late in the third he had only had he only had eight points and two rebounds and so uh, you know, and Magic again was down low on him a lot of the game after playing guard throughout much of the season with Kareem at center. And, uh, so you, you just see the, the positional versatility, um, that he has. And, um, he, I mean, he, he did it all. He had an incredible shooting stroke, uh, for the game. He, um, he had shot over 60%, almost 61% from the field. Um, he was, uh, They dominated the boards, which I think uh, the broadcasters were surprised by, how how well they dominated the boards because Kareem was out, because the Sixers uh, were the bigger team. Um, But Bill Russell, before the game in a pregame interview, um, and and he was one of the commentators for the game as well, they asked him what his take was on the game. And he said, you know, a lot of people, I think, are counting the Lakers – out here because Kareem's not playing in this game, but they have nothing to lose because they had the lead in the series at three games to two. And he said, I think they're going to run on, he said, I think they're going to run on, on the Sixers tonight. And I think people are going to be surprised. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if they, you know, come away the champions at the end of the night. And then that's exactly what happened. So you see Bill Russell's basketball intelligence uh, as a commentator and say, but the Lakers ran all over them. Um, It was really a back and forth game. throughout much of of the game is is tied at 60 uh, at halftime. And then uh, the Lakers started out on the huge 14-0 run uh, to start the second half. And it was really initiated by a couple of sweet assists by Magic Johnson. And I think that's one huge takeaway I have as someone that's only 31 years old that really didn't ever see Magic Johnson play a meaningful game. um, I was excited that you picked this game to do, Scott, uh, because I I got to see Magic. I got to see Dr. J., and just guys that, in, unless I had seen them on ESPN Classic or searched it out on YouTube before, I wouldn't have seen other than highlights. And so um, to, to get to see them play in a game, in a full game, was was a treat. And um, but, uh, but yeah, all, all in all, um, like I said, Magic Johnson, an incredible passer. So that was the point I was starting to make there. For, forgot myself. But uh, you look at Magic Johnson's career, and you look at where he is in all time assists, and they at one point he was number one and the Stockton passed him and since Nash and Jason Kidd, and Mark Jackson passed him. But you look at how few yeah. seasons he played, um, to get where he was. And if he had played nearly 20 seasons, like John Stockton had, I mean, he would, he's, he would be untouchable as the all-time assist leader. And we probably see him closer, closer to 20,000, uh, than, than the all-time if he had stayed on his career pace than the all-time record, which is 15,000 something right now. Um, so you just, you just see him really dominate from every point in this game as a passer uh down low on the block as a rebounder. He had so many key uh and one opportunities uh when the sixers would make a run, it would seem like magic would get a would get a three point play um and then on the other side uh it was it was awesome to watch dr J um and just have my mouth drop <laughs> in, you know at was this forty years later to, and i'm like i don't know if I've ever seen a player go to the rim as smooth as he does. Like, he just looks so smooth every time he attacks the basket. Um, So that was a treat, just getting to see him as well. Yeah, you know what,
1: man? A lot of people don't realize back in the early 80s, the NBA basically boiled down to, I'd say, maybe four or five teams, tops. Mm -hmm. It was like the Boston Celtics, the Sixers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Detroit Pistons in the East, led by Zayette Thomas the company. and Company. In the West, it was essentially uh, the Lakers um, and the Portland Trail Blazers. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the Dallas Mavericks, they had some great Dallas Mavericks teams during that time, too. But basically, it, it, even though it was like, it, it didn't seem like a lot of teams were competing. It was still an exciting time because, A, it was not as many NBA teams as all now, obviously. Now you have, what, 30 teams? And I think back right. in the early 80s, I think it was like maybe 40, like 14 in each conference at the most. So you had 28. Uh, well, actually, no, I take the back. I think it was 12 in each conference. So yeah, two, two teams, two, 12, 16 divisions. So you essentially had like uh, 24 teams. And so, and mm-hmm. so at least, so which meant that the, that the that the talent was not as diluted as it is now. So you had more continuity, didn't have as much player movement. So you had you saw those teams get better on a year-to-year basis. Aside from the dominant Boston, Philly, Lakers, Bucks, Pistons. I mean, people don't understand how good the, the the Milwaukee Bucks were in the 80s. They they were damn good. They just couldn't get mm-hmm. past Philly and Boston. That was their main problem. They couldn't get back, past those two guys. So, if, if, if so it's so like those 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 um, Bucks teams led by Sidney Moncrief, Terry Cummings. Mm-hmm. You know they mm-hmm. pass if they could get past Dr. J if they could get past Dr. J, they couldn't get past Bird. So that's just how it was with the Bucks in the eighties. Um, but at any rate, I did, I love watching old school basketball. And I love the movement. I love the intelligence of those players. Obviously, they're not near as athletic as we got now. The players now, but see them, see the on the court IQ, basketball IQ, just play itself out in its purest mm-hmm. form. Nothing sort of spectacular. But 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 this couple of things I did notice though, they had the three point shot, but they rarely took threes in the series. Right.
2: I mean, I don't. There, know, there were a lot of. Uh, I gotta go back to. I was just gonna say there were a lot of shots where they were like a step or two inside the three pointer on the baseline and wide open. What? I'm like, take a step what? back, what? man. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, they worked This is what your Golden uh, State Warriors and here's the Rockets <laughs> during that time. But still, great basketball teams, nonetheless. But it's another thing, man. It's hard to believe. You think about it. You read more about it. This NBA Finals, as well as a few more NBA Finals before the mid-1980s, this was a hit delay.
0: You yeah. see, you
1: notice know, uh, the caption that says recorded earlier or something, or something yep. like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, all that star power mm-hmm. on the court with brands with brand, with brand of the league and the Sixers, the Lakers, you know, on the court. And people didn't get to see that
2: live. It
1: came on at right. 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm talking about being the bad on the East Coast.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, we're going to the worst Right, so unless, imagine, you, unless you went to the game, right?
1: Right. Yeah, that's the only time. And I, and I think from what I've read, if you were in those markets, if you were in Philly and surrounding areas, you get to see uh-huh. the game live on the CBS affiliate. You would get to see the game live. Oh, okay. But if okay. you were outside That's of – Right. Yeah, so if you were outside of Philly, Los Angeles and the surrounding areas, suburbs or whatever, you would have shit out of luck because that game <laughs> – right. you wouldn't be seeing the game until 11.30 p.m. that night. and That would just totally
2: suck on all levels. Yes. Especially when it had – because yeah. I know they reiterated a few times if there was a game seven, they kept saying three o'clock, three o'clock uh, New York time, 12 noon LA time. And it's like, man, to know that the game played at noon, you don't get to watch it till 1130 at night or, or to because yeah. like right now, if a game started at noon and you could watch it live, that'd be awesome. <laughs> like I'd have my whole day afterwards. I could go to bed. I could, you know, with plenty of time to get up for work on Monday. <laughs> like
1: Yeah. I mean, imagine to your point of game seven with all that saw power, and you will not get to see that, and you will not get to see it live. You have to wait till. And, and you, know, you know what's funny thing? I, it's like I've read that, that on the news broadcast, like in the 11 o'clock news, they would have a disclaimer that says if you don't want the, the spoiler, <laughs>
0: don't, don't, don't turn want.
1: in. Don't do don't wait for the news right now because they don't <laughs> have the final score. So you won't be able to. So you won't it'd be like, what am I going to stand for at that point? if you already right. know the final score. So, that's crazy. So, imagine game seven, uh, the NBA finals with uh, Cle- Cleveland and Golden State when they drive from three games to one and down. You
0: wouldn't
1: <laughs> and not be able to see any of those games live. How messed up would that be?
2: Yeah, I, we would have a lot less basketball fans, in country, I think, if you couldn't yeah. watch those but, games live. Yeah, and especially
1: less CBS fans. <laughs> but um, that's how bad, the, the that's how low the NBA was in terms of exposure. And so with Magic and Larry Bird coming to the league, you go along with Dr. J coming over from the ABA and all that star power. And, you know, with, when David Stern took over in the mid-1980s and started marketing around stars instead of teams, which was a genius on his part, that's when, the league started to really pick up And didn't hurt that again You had Showtime The Showtime Electros of Magic And the Blue mm-hmm. Collar Great shooting of Larry Bird And the Celtics So that was it. Was The NBA I think this series Game 6 started the, resurg- the renaissance Resurgence Of the NBA in this country Which led to, to become The global brand that it is now Because again mm-hmm. You had stars, charismatic stars,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you know when they finally started marketing surrounding the around the stars, then yeah, it really started out for like for the better. So that's that's the coolest thing about that series as well. It pretty much ushered in the modern NBA as we know it in terms of
0: exposure mm-hmm. and
2: star power Yeah, the Yeah, definitely.
0: So, and just
2: spe- speaking of star power, just uh, to more mm-hmm. credit to Johnson, you know, when I think of Magic Johnson, I think of the Showtime Lakers. And, yeah, obviously you think of Kareem and you think of James Worthy, and maybe guys like Byron Scott. Uh, but right. no disrespect to any of the other guys on the court, uh, you know, he didn't have that. And so uh, I know we, we might touch on, you know, maybe the the, the GOAT debate later, uh, you, could, you could put a feather in, in Johnson's cap for, for this finals because Kareem wasn't on the court with him. And um, no disrespect to Jamal Wilkes, I got to learn what a great player Jamal Wilkes was because he was kind of an older player. Yeah. Um, you know, well, worthy. Wow. and uh, the Showtime Lakers really started to ascend. He, he uh, played more of a reserve role, and um, but learning that he was the 1975 uh, Rookie of the Year and then seeing how well he played in this mm-hmm. game, it was cool. To, it's cool to learn how good he was. And so, again, not taking anything away from him, but as far as having a Hall of Famer next to him, a la Scottie Pippen or Dwayne Wade um, or an Anthony Davis or whoever it might be, um, Magic didn't have that guy really next to him. Again, no disrespect to Wilkes, but Magic was the guy uh, for the Lakers in this game, and and he did everything he had to do to to secure his first championship as a rookie. Um, So, yeah, just I think that bears bears mentioning.
0: Yeah, so
1: again, this is this has been to me, this is this is my argument in the greatest of all time debate. Seeing Magic Johnson do this as a rookie. And and I know people like to argue that okay, this team already had Kareem, already had Norm Nixon, already had Jamal Wilkes. But this was this the team the same liquor team the year before finished only 43 and 39 in the regular season. And, you know, the, to see the big turnaround from the Lakers in 1979 and 1980 get to the point where they had, even to the point they had home court advantage in this, in this finals, says about Matthew Johnson's greatness as a rookie. And it manifests itself in the NBA finals, particularly in game six when he, when the as a point, six foot nine is point guard, he jumped center in place of of uh, Kareem. To your point, he geared up uh uh um Darryl Dawkins, Chuck Thunder himself, and held him in check. As, again, he did all this as a rookie, scoring forty two points on top of that, grabbing fifteen total rebounds,
3: and handing out managed to
1: hand, hand to hand out seven assists in the process. That just brings greatness. So we might as well get you out on here on this, man, to segue to the final segment of the show. Since, since the uh, last dance, we had this GOAT talk. Jordan, LeBron, whoever. You all, like, you know, and the listeners know, my NBA GOAT is Magic Johnson, with Kareem being a 1B, uh, followed by Max Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. I put Larry Bird above LeBron, so yeah so basically we did the did the documentary change your mind a little bit with who the goat is being that how in depth they went in jordan's great on Jordan's greatness, how box office he was, the effect on the losing sorry as uh the bull's franchise that struggled to even sell tickets to the to to home games
0: uh-huh. to get
1: where to to get it to, to be one of the more recognizable brands in the world. Um, who who were your thoughts? Did it change your mind any, or are you are you still set on whoever you'll go to?
2: Right. Um. There's always gonna be a part of me that will that will always be a LeBron fanboy. Uh. Just my generation. And <laughs> um. But yeah, I think I definitely when lists come out now, when CBS put out a list, ESPN put out a list, and and they both have Michael Jordan number one, and I see that. There's no part of me that's like, oh no, I disagree. Um, so I guess in that respect sure. it, it's changed it uh, where I'm like where before I think I was like if I had seen that I'd be like nah, you no know, I mean good as Jordan was LeBron's the better basketball player I think so I guess where I'm at now is like I'm totally fine with people saying Jordan's the goat um, and I think he's got more than you know phenomenal argument and claim to the throne um, there's a bias in me that will always point to um, what LeBron has done that Jordan didn't. Uh, but then there's so much that Jordan did that LeBron hasn't that can be pointed to. Uh, one thing that right. for me was always was always a trump card in my back pocket, and, and then in LeBron's last few years with the Cavs and then his first couple of years with the Lakers, as he started to, um, to age, and I know that I say that lightly because you look at his numbers this year, he's averaging – nearly 26 a game with nearly eight rebounds and nearly 11 assists. So, um, incredible numbers. Um, but uh, his box plus minus uh, has gone down. And box plus minus is a stat that measures a player's overall effectiveness on the court. Um, and that at works, one yeah. point he was, he was at a 10.2 for his career, and Jordan is at a 9.2. And so I would always pull that stat out of my back pocket and say, look at LeBron, box plus minus. He's more, more effective player on the court than Jordan was throughout his career. Um, and I think now, uh, the, looking at it, Jordan in the last few years with the, when he came back with the wizards, he really hurt his box plus minus because they weren't very high because as good as he was. And it, you know, there was, there were times when he carried the wizards to being a better team than they were. Uh, it really affected that. that stat, And then, um, and LeBron's has actually fallen behind Jordan's career-wise. LeBron is number two all-time now, not number one. I think Michael Jordan's 9.2. I think LeBron's somewhere like an 8.6 last time I checked. So he's actually fallen behind Jordan in that category. And there's part of me that's like even more so than do- the documentary. I'm like, well, I mean, that was always my trump card. I don't have my trump card anymore. Uh, so it's hard to, hard to argue. Um, where I can still make arguments for LeBron is obviously – uh, rebounds, I think he's fifty fifth all time. Jordan's uh nowhere near that and then assist he's eighth all time. Jordan's obviously uh nowhere near that as well. So uh, I think um I think Magic Johnson actually who's who is your goat and who I think deserves a you know to be mentioned in this debate as well. I think he had a quote that came out within the last couple of weeks that I think I really really maybe swayed me more than anything where he said Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. He's like, LeBron James is is the best basketball player ever and like overall basketball player. I think in terms of like what he's speaking, like what he does on the court, assists, rebounds, all that. And he says, but Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. And I'm like, you know, I as much as people say that quote doesn't make sense, I think it really does. Um, um, because there is a mystique about Jordan uh, that LeBron, right. even if he were to win three championships as an old man next to Anthony Davis, you know, to end his career with the Lakers um, and match Jordan six, I don't think he will ever reach Jordan's mystique. And I don't know if Why? it's I don't know if you can in a social media era if you can reach that mystique where um, there's constant you know coverage and criticisms etc. and so maybe Jordan was more free of that in the nineties and whether or not that's a debate, I think is a moot point because there was still such a mystique around him, his airness and that. Um, So I think they're both great basketball players. Um, As far as magic goes, like I said earlier, if if this guy had gotten to play a full career, like we saw Michael Jordan play, and I know Michael Jordan left a couple of times on his own terms, Um, and you could debate maybe had another three or more seasons that he could have. Uh, But if we had seen Magic Johnson play his whole career, I think his assist numbers would be untouchable, and I think more people would put him where you put him, Scott. And I think the only reason um, he's maybe third all time in the debate or fourth or wherever people might put him is because his career – he played 12 full seasons as a starter and then came back with it like 95, 96. And was a reserve right. player, and still put up good numbers as a reserve. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm with you as far as the guys that deserve to be mentioned: uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson. Um, I pulled up just in pr- preparation for this. I also pulled up Larry Bird and Kareem and, and Kobe. Um, and but then one guy also is is uh, is Wilt Chamberlain. I think Wilt Chamberlain deserves a lot more credit maybe than he gets. Um, even more so than Bill Russell. As much as I respect Bill Russell's game, um you look at Will, I mean his his career average was a double double. Um was and again, I think I the only reason I don't put Will in the discussion is because of the era he played in like Russell. But thirty points per game and nearly twenty three rebounds per game is that's absolutely insane. Um so I don't think he gets enough respect as far as being at the table in the debate, I think he should be. Um yeah, so that's my take on it.
0: Yeah.
1: You know what, to be honest with you, I mean, people from different eras. I mean hell if you ask my dad who's in his late seventies who is good, he'd say Oscar Robinson. You know, he'd say yep. Oscar Robertson. He would say Lou Alcindor, like of course pre Kareem. Right. But he was right. both, he was a huge he's a huge Fan of Oscar Robertson, so his yeah, that's his goal—the first big goal mm-hmm. in the NBA. So, yeah, so that's what makes these lists fun, man. It's all about perspectives, it's all about beyond your personal preferences. So, I mean, there's really no wrong answers. It can be ridiculous ones, but
0: there's no
1: <laughs> wrong answers. <laughs> less, less. So this, this this so it makes this, this this discussion like this fun. Barbershop talk, cookout talk, beer talk, beer out of sports bar talk. It's, it's fun, it's hella fun So it, you can't really go wrong with that Hey man, I know like, I, like Jared wasn't able to make it But uh, I'll say this i speak on his behalf as well This has been a great series man A great month we have Talking NBA basketball Playoff performing Great play performances from recent, from years past um, With this whole Like blast dance thing With Jordan, discussing Mystique And from the from the perspectives of the old guy and the two younger guys, you know, if you will, (laughs) Um, and especially the youngest, the youngest being Jared. Um, But to get to to, to combine all of the perspectives and to have it be as cohesive throughout this, man, this is special. So I thank you, and I thank Jared. Hopefully, Jared, if he's listening somewhere, Thank you too for joining me for this, this month of, of recapping great NBA performances for the past and the last dance and the goat discussion. So it was fun, man. And hey, when we get the NBA season back, God willing, we'll be out again. I'm hella hot water, so I'm looking forward to that, brother. And I appreciate you and Jared again coming on and sharing this with me for the entire month.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's been so much fun and, and if the NBA comes back and you have us on, that'd be that'd be great. Uh look forward to it. Yeah, most definitely. All
1: right, man, take care and until then stay stay safe and stay inside if you can. So take take care, brother. Alright, thanks, Scott. All right, you're welcome. That's that's my guy Kevin McCune, one half of the duo with the weekend adjustments, uh with Gerald Stingerson as well. Uh this has been a fun month. Talking NBA basketball, uh, last dance, great player performances of years past, as well as the GOAT discussion. It's always fun, always down for good debate. It makes good barbershop talk, everything else, so it makes it fun. And I hope you all have fun with Kevin, myself, and Jared. Thank y'all for tuning into to the podcast. It's Scott Burks with the Clown Hour. Please remember to stay inside and stay safe. And until next time, 06, peace out.